0: Hi, this is Monica Olivis. I love running, eating, and sharing the best tips and strategies to help you run your best life. It's time to get inspired, do the work, and be brave so you can chase down your goals. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. One of the most trusted mental coaches in the world of sports has a new book out sharing his strategies. He takes a different approach from the usual positive thinking mindset style, and today I'm highlighting my favorite parts of It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. But before we get into that, let's warm up. Hello, it's Monica. I am very excited to talk to you today. I have been waiting. I I really am so excited (laughs) I tried to record this podcast several times earlier today. We are having the roof redone. And while the roofers were taking a break, I thought I could get it in real quick, record the podcast, and I was foiled. And then it seemed like they were done or going to take a break again. And I was like, yes, let's do this. And then the dogs started going crazy. So the rovers are gone. But if the dogs go crazy, if there's an earthquake, some random alarms going off, whatever it is, I'm just going to power through because I miss you. We have a lot to catch up on. First, I have a question for you: Are you running right now? Because I'm visualizing you running. I'm actually doing a visualization exercise on your behalf, and you look really fast. You're having some great form. This really goes good with the theme of the mental training book. I'm going to recap in the main event, but I'm asking this because since I do kind of imagine that you are running as you are listening, I'm very inclined to talk about running, how your run is going, encourage you to run better, faster, stronger, happier, but if you are, I don't know, I really can name every single thing. I was going to say taking a shower or cooking or cleaning, taking a walk, trying to ignore someone, listening in a passive aggressive manner, <laughs> uh, whatever you're doing, I'm just curious because I am always listening to podcasts or audiobooks. And it would just be helpful for me to know when I'm structuring the show if I should reference running in the warm up in um your form I'm tempted sometimes I do a check in with myself while I'm running to check on my form and it might be a nice little reminder if I are to mention things like that but if you're not running it might just be weird so can you let me know when this podcast goes live I will post an Instagram asking this question so you can reply to that at runny repeat on Instagram If you're doing something that is illegal or embarrassing or shady, you can DM me. Your secret is, I would say, 80% safe with me. I don't know, 100%. Like if you have a really good story, I might have to tell someone. Or if I have nothing else to talk about, I might have to tell someone. So there's that. Uh, But at least I'm being honest, right? Anyways, let me know at Repeat on Instagram what you're doing right now. And if you want to let the world know, you can tag at Runny Repeat and just post it, a selfie, a screenshot, whatever it is. Okay, updates. First, last we spoke, Diego had had some interesting adventures where he fell in the pool because he thought the solar plastic covering on the pool was solid ground and or he has a God complex that he was Jesus and fell in the pool came back from that. Then we both got attacked by a herd of wild boars that turned out to be two friendly dogs that looked wildly scary and intimidating. Again, in my defense, one of the dogs was a part of the German Shepherd family that is terrifying. We both walked away A-OK from those events. But, and you might know this, I have posted about it, on Run It Repeat and um, on Instagram that he, Diego actually, and had a surgical procedure since uh, even after all of that. So he has had a month of it. He's ready for a fresh start and actually had to full on, like he had something just started bleeding. He had a little bump. I don't want to get too graphic here because I get easily grossed out. And I also used to post. <laughs> Like if I had a blister or if like I had a black toenail, I would just post a picture of it. And I remember most people don't care, but the people that do care really care. And they will let you know that they now hate you because you posted a picture of your bloody toenail. You know who you are. Just kidding. I don't really remember. I know that something similar to that happened, but it doesn't keep me up at night. The point is, I don't want to be too graphic, but it was actually wildly disgusting that when he after post the procedure, when he came back, like what it looks like they did to him. I don't even know. It was traumatizing. reminded me of kind of toy story Sid, where he messes with the toys and like breaks them and then puts them together with opposite parts because of how they kind of patched him back up. Luckily, He's okay now. He's just hanging out. He's sleeping right here. And maybe he'll start barking. I really am tempted since Diego doesn't really... He's not fluent in English. Can't be on the podcast because of that. I'm tempted to video the podcast when I record. Because A, I keep hearing that Spotify is now doing both the audio and adding video. So... That might be a fun thing. And the only way that Diego could be on the podcast. Well, the only positive way. If he starts barking, it's not going to be a good time. Next update, COVID-19. I got tested for COVID and shared a video of my experience. All of this is on runnyrepeat.com. I will put links, pictures to all of this right there in the show notes. I have been spending time with Ben, who is my ex. If you are a longtime blog reader, you are aware of this. And he made a cameo appearance on the video because he was living in Florida. He's in Southern California for work. He has a contract position for a couple of months and we've been hanging out. Suddenly he says, I think I feel sick. And I mean, he was living in Florida up until like a week before he said he feels sick. So the facts of the story, the most important things to kind of note here are, A, he traveled from Florida to Southern California, right? So like he was on a cross country flight, Florida, where he lives in Florida, there isn't a ton of COVID-19 right now because it's like a smaller city, but It's still, it's, you know, kind of raging in Florida. He did that travel and he was staying at a kind of corporate housing place where there are more people than it would just be at your house. There were a lot of risk factors contributing to he might actually have the coronavirus. Being someone that used to be married to this person, I know him. And I realized, or at least in another life, I would have immediately thought you have jet lag or yeah, you're just tired. You started a new job. You came across the country. You've been here maybe a week. Like You're just tired. But I was not about to say that. Like, mind you, I did not say you're just tired. I know better than that. And it's not helpful. And I don't want to be the a-hole that says you're just tired and he has coronavirus and he's given it to everyone and then he kicks the bucket from it and it's all of this is because I'm kind of the jerk and that's what I get in the end, right? Which might end up happening at some point, but I didn't want to make it my story right now. So we both took this very seriously, which means I immediately, because I was hanging out with him had to quarantine from my fam, I couldn't go home. And why I'm really telling the story is I was super surprised that it was so challenging to find a place to get a COVID test. There are a lot of places that say that they're testing. And when I went on different websites, it was just really hard. I We both wanted to get tested. I couldn't find a test until the next day. And this was early in the morning that we talked about this, decided we needed to get tested if he felt sick. I found one test for the next day. And luckily we actually found a rapid test because we wanted to know as soon as possible because he needed to tell a lot of people if he was sick, like anyone that he had interacted with. Right. And we had the one test the next day. So he got the rapid test the next day. I couldn't get any test that following day. And then I got a test, I think like 48 hours later, I wanted to get the rapid test. My health insurance would not approve it. I also, they wouldn't let me pay for it cash or out of pocket, whatever you call it either. So I had to get the slow-mo test, but we both got tested. It was negative on both accounts. And I did the video because I thought that the rapid test was a little interesting and different. Also, I haven't seen a video of someone actually getting the test. And I feel like a lot of people potentially have, but I thought since I haven't probably a lot of other people, maybe you hasn't either. So I would videotape it to kind of share like, this is what I thought it was like kind of situation. And I don't think the guy went way up there in my nose, basically. Uh, So either he did it wrong or I'm hesitating to make a all that coke I did in college helped out with that. My pain threshold, which is a thousand percent like not true. I was the most boring in college, which is why I've kind of been more exciting recently because I didn't take advantage then. That's another story for another day. Not going to be an update. Next up. Running update. Dun dun. My own sound effects. It has been very challenging to stay motivated specifically for long runs. It's hot right now, and I don't want to run near other people because of the rules about wearing masks. Basically right now the rule in California is, and I say this every time I know a rule, things are changing constantly. Do not think that this might be the rule in five minutes from now when you're listening to this or whatever. Right now the rule is you have to wear them inside like public places and outside if social distancing isn't possible. So I can, if I run early enough and I run, I mean, really most places that I would run for a long run, like anywhere at the beach, because the path is very wide and you go early enough, there's not a lot of people you can distance yourself. Most of the trails or other like pedestrian slash bike paths around, yeah, that's fine as long as you go again early enough and aren't running for over two hours. Because even if I go at sunrise, two hours in, there are going to be people out. And I kind of had this very discouraging moment last week where I was waking up and it was like just after four, because I'm trying to get out close to 5 a.m., I'm getting up to go run And thinking, why am I doing this? Because literally, I do not have a race on the calendar. Like all of the races I was going to run have been canceled and or switched to virtual. And it's hard enough to train hard for a half marathon or a full marathon when the race is actually Official coming at you, looming over you. And you know, like, I have to do this run because I need to do next week's run because I need to keep building on this so that I don't get my A handed to me on race day. So I am able to show the heck up and wake up early and go out for a long run when I have races on the schedule. But it was getting to be very discouraging and challenging. And how are you dealing with the lack of races? Because also my one friend, and to be honest, I actually have two friends and two and a half if you count Diego as half a friend, but all of the runners that I talked to, running coaches that I talked to, it seems like everyone has just kind of thought they're not going to train for anything this year they're not hopeful that any races are going to happen. They're not interested in doing virtual races and I just need like I needed someone or something to be like okay, we can do this, we're going to do this. And I decided to register for the Marine Corps Marathon virtual edition. I've run Marine Corps in real life in the past. It's an awesome race. The course is actually pretty crowded for the first like close to nine miles. I remember thinking because bigger city races, sometimes the course is crowded. If there are, you know, thousands and thousands of people running this race with you, it's going to be hard to kind of get some space in the, until the kind of runners, it thins out and people are separated a little bit more. So that makes me feel a little better. I would love to run it in person. I love the, it's an awesome, beautiful, historic course, but I realized that I can't run it in person this year. I really need a race. The timeline, it's a pretty big window of when it's open, when you can do your race to report back in. And it's also one of the cheapest virtual races that I have found, but it was still, I want to say it was like 45 bucks and more than anything, I am paying that money for the pressure for the official status of I registered for a race because I was trying to do it just like not in my head but unofficially on some level I was still training to run Long Beach which is a marathon out here in SoCal that I really I really love that race And I figured that's the race I was going to do this year. If not, like if I couldn't travel and I thought races were still going to be a thing, but I just bottom line needed a race around the like mid to late October timeline. And the funny thing is that they give you a pretty big time window when you can do your race. And then you're supposed to report back in. And I actually don't know what you even get when you show, I don't know if I show my Garmin stats or what. I don't know what I get for it. I like to run a lot of races, but I'm not necessarily doing it for the metal specifically or for the shirt or whatever it is for the free banana. Because I'm very particular about the ripeness of my bananas. I just like running races. And so I don't know what I'm going to get. I might get nothing for the $45, but like I said, I am getting something because I already immediately realized, oh crap, now you need to really get it together and stick with it because you can't have a, what's the point attitude. The point is that you said you were going to do this. And I think that was kind of the accountability that I needed. I am genuinely curious, like, what are you doing to stay accountable If you don't have a race coming up or if your running buddies don't want to run with you, no one even wants to agree to like, well, there's no race. That's the thing, I guess. It's not that they don't want to agree to it because it's not like I can name a race and be like, hey, how about we run this in November? That's not a thing because I do think that I could get someone to run with me a race if there actually was one. But I think everyone's just like so discouraged. And so... I hope you're not. I hope you're not discouraged. And it's also okay to just kind of use this time as a break. I don't think there's one right way to reroute your goals. You know, I I think it obviously is required to rethink goals. I was genuinely considering because I was so adamant that this year I was really going to focus on running a strong marathon. And I usually run a lot of races and running a lot of races helps me get faster. At least that's what's been the case in the past. And I was like, okay, well, there are a lot of races being canceled, but I'm just going to have to like really actually show up in training. And then when it was like, well, actually there are no races, it has made me really rethink or giving me no choice, basically. I think I'm like one of the last holdouts on hope for races this year. And I was like, no, no. I am determined. Like, I have to make this happen. Am I going to have to go to another country? Am I going to have to form a race organization, put on a race that's just going to be me social distancing from everyone and run it solo? Like, there has to be a way I can do this. And almost that was detrimental to me making better choices because I didn't make any concrete race goals with the just random mermaid hope of it all. And I think realizing, okay, like this is the situation. It doesn't look like there's going to be a in real life marathon, at least in October or November when you wanted to run a race. So what are you going to do? Like you could just take the time off and focus on other fitness. This is a great opportunity to become a more well-rounded athlete for all of us, right? Sharpen your sword. Use this time. Going back to the book that I'm going to talk about, work on your mental training, right? Like this is such an opportunity to keep a positive attitude. Like, yeah, this sucks, but okay. So are you going to cry about it? Are you going to give up? And you can do those at various different times. But then at some point you have to realize like, okay, what's it going to be? Like, are you going to move forward? Or are you just going to sit here crying? And I think I feel more hopeful and just thinking like, I'm moving forward. I am going to do this virtual marathon. Um, it's going to help me feel like there's a purpose to my training And, yeah, like I don't expect to PR in a virtual race, especially after not racing all year. But I can do my best, which is the theme for this year is just do your best. And it is really like do your best given whatever circumstances are going on. So let me know what you're up to, how you are handling the lack of races. And now let's get to the main event. This book is called It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. I listened to it on Audible. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookseller, and more. And I will put links to it on runnyrepeat.com. So if you want to get the book or more info, you can check it out there. But I think that this book was suggested to me by Audible. One of those like you'll also like style kind of suggestions because I was not familiar with this book the author, the forward is done by probably his number one client, which is an NFL player, not familiar with any of these people. I don't know what exactly made me press the little I'll take it button. That's not what the button says, but you know what I mean? But I'm really glad I did. And that's why I'm reviewing it here on the podcast. I do a video series of a good listen, other books that I have listened to or podcast reviews. And I think that this though is a good listen, potentially more than a good read, because it is something that is like, this guy is a mindset coach and He's the one reading the book. Again, the foreword is by Russell Wilson, who is an NFL player. If you're not familiar, which again, I wasn't, he does the foreword. And then Trevor Moad reads the bulk of the book. And it is, I think, a positive thing when a mental training coach is the one reading you his words. I'm assuming he's probably best giving speeches talking to people one-on-one, and that's why I kind of think it was, this is a better review kind of for the podcast. There were so many times while listening to this book that I stopped, and a lot of times I was either getting ready to run or running, where I actually would stop and make a note, like quote something that he had said, because I thought, oh, I want to share this with you. And it would be better to just listen to it. Well, just enjoy it, right? Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the listen. But there were some of these concepts and ideas that I just noted because I was like, I want to share this when I am telling you guys about the book. So first, a dramatic summary. This is from Amazon. I'm not going to read the whole thing. The summary on Amazon is he knows how to win more He knows the many subtle, brutal, often self-inflicted ways we lose. I felt like I had to read it like that, by the way. As the most trusted mental coach in the world of sports, Trevor Moad has worked with many of the most dominant athletes and the savviest coaches, from Nick Saban and Kirby Smart to Russell Wilson. They all look to Moad for help finding or keeping or regaining their competitive edge. Now at last, Moad shares his unique philosophy with the general public. That's us, everyone. Yay. Okay. it's That whole summary is very dramatic, but I feel like it's supposed to be, right? So the main theme of the book is this concept of neutral thinking. He is not pro positive thinking. And that is one of the big things that really stuck with me because when it comes to endurance sports, it is very challenging to just try and brainwash yourself with positive thoughts when you are falling apart at mile 21. I personally don't think it's the most effective thing. I do believe in not having a nervous breakdown, staying in. And this is maybe why it really resonated with me because I've talked about this. And I talked about this recently when I talked about overcoming a bad habit in relation to like binge eating and being a neutral observer. He calls his approach neutral thinking And I always talk about this, you have to be a neutral observer or you just have to stay neutral. And I applied it after learning about it in relation to binge eating, but I have realized that it can apply to so many things in life, including long distance running. Because when you are, and again, I'm going to kind of keep going back to this example of in a marathon or in a half marathon, whenever you feel like you are hitting A wall, right? It is very easy to start to freak out and to think, oh crap, I'm hitting a wall. I'm like, my legs feel like they are in cinder blocks. Like I, I can't do this. And can I sit down? Can I quit? Can I call an Uber? What should I do? Someone call 911, right? That's not how, Hey, (laughs) heads up. That's not helpful. It's also, I personally think, not super helpful to be like, no, this is the best day ever. This is a walk in the park. I can do this all day. Like I am a gazelle and I have energy to run to the end of the earth when you're probably like your brain isn't even working well enough at the point of hitting a wall. Like your blood sugar has crashed, your brain runs on carbohydrates and sugar. Like If that's not there, it's going to be hard to even work your brain muscle to think all the positive thoughts. But I have always voted for being a neutral observer and being a problem solver and just sticking with the realities of the situation and thinking, okay, if we're sticking with the marathon example, I'm at mile 21. I have five more miles to go, let's say five and a half, because it's never just 26.2 exactly, right? I feel super dehydrated, or I think I'm hitting a wall, or like, I am not going to be able to run up that hill. And you have options. Like, yes, one option is to stop and cry, which if you're dehydrated, crying isn't going to help. Another option is to just tell yourself, No, that's not true. This is great. Like, la la la. You're you're awesome and gorgeous and fast. Like I I wouldn't be able to believe that. So that wouldn't really work for me. Or three, you can think, okay, I will walk the next aid station to make sure that I drink from three different cups of water. Like if you run through an aid station, you might not be able to get adequate hydration on hot days for a full marathon, I often walk through the water stations and I will get both like an electrolyte. I'll drink if they have both. And then I'll dump water on my head and maybe get a third cup. Shot, 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 shut. Hey, <laughs> that's worked really well for me. And I've realized like, Hey, that works. And I've run over 30 marathons now, and a lot of them have been in hot weather because I am in Southern California and a lot of the races I've run have been around here. So that's worked for me, right? Or you can think if you are hitting a wall, you probably need some fuel. Maybe you need to walk up a hill, but don't freaking cry about it. That's not helpful. Don't tell yourself you're a piece of ish. That's not helpful. Like talking to yourself, super mean, talking to yourself, super in denial. Those are extremes that aren't necessarily helpful if you need to be a problem solver, right? If at the point of a race where you are hitting a wall, let's say your stomach is upset and you don't feel like you can take in your fuel. Yeah, you're going to have to look for other fuel potentially to, I'm sorry, my own phone was ringing. I am, (laughs) this is just, it's better than the roofers hitting on the rough so we're just and I realize I say the word rough very like oddly but anyways <sighs> I can't believe I did that but that's what I get well I'm not gonna I'm not going to beat myself up about it <laughs> um I just I have always been an advocate of being a neutral observer and I like his concept of neutral thinking and it's also... It leans toward the side of still a kind of tough love coach, right? That's not just berating you, but tough love. Like it also does take a lot of hard work and you do have to on some level suck it up. And I think I really appreciated that balance of it because I think I kind of lean towards appreciating a tough love style approach of coaching. He gives a lot of stories from his clients and kind of how he worked with them to help get them to a place where they were, you know, rocking it, winning championships, becoming the best in their field. As I was listening, I made notes with some of my favorite quotes from the book that I wanted to share. Like I said, I literally was listening and would stop and kind of note in my phone, something that I wanted to recite back to you because I did think there was this interesting balance of neutral thinking with a suck it up buttercup kind of edge to it. And I'm going to read a couple of them. The first one is your mind might steer the ship, but the ship still needs to be built for rough seas. And he's kind of acknowledging here, yeah, like mental training is a big part of your success, but your body still needs to be able to do the job. Next, it's what you do, not how you feel that gets things done. What it takes to succeed is not a choice. And this was one of the things that we kept going back to in the book is it takes what it takes it is like the obviously the title of the book is this isn't a choice if you want to win you do these things it is not a matter of if you want to win well here are your options there are requirements basically and it takes what it takes right what it takes to succeed is not a choice. This game rewards people who do it right. This game has demands. Making bad choices is the lifeblood of average. Make an excuse to win. And I really liked that too because oftentimes we make excuses that enable us to quit or, you know, to lose or to not give our best. We have a ton of excuses, right? For why i couldn't give 100% make an excuse on why you need to give 100% i really like that my inner voice is the loudest my own words impact me more than anyone else's and that's just also there were so many things that i thought we were very relevant and helpful for endurance sports, like running, triathlons, anything where you are in your head by yourself at the end of the day, it is you and your head movies and what are they telling you? And we always hear these cliches of, you know, it's 90% mental and 10% physical I don't think that is completely scientifically accurate, especially when it comes to running 13.1 miles, 26.2 miles. Like that doesn't really make sense that it's only 10% physical. Like it takes a lot of work to get there. But I think it's kind of more accurate to say it's 90% mental and 90% physical, you know, and the rest is like prayers. Because we really have such an opportunity in races to decide, like, how hard am I going to push myself today? And there are times when it's not that important to push yourself. Maybe there are times in society where there are no races. So it's not that important to push yourself. I mean, even the Olympians, the Summer Olympics was pushed back an entire year. Like, they have had to reroute their path to being number one. And it's important to be flexible, right? And it's important not to let obstacles destroy you. And that last quote, my inner voice is the loudest. My own words impact me more than anyone else's is just the most important thing to remember. And it kind of reminds me too that The things that you are exposing yourself to, the people you're exposing yourself to, pay attention to what you pay attention to. And if everything around you is negative, if people are talking negatively about you or about themselves, that's not a good vibe. And it's not the things that you want to be flooding in your brain. Like you want to give yourself every excuse to default to an empowering thought. I think that's, I guess, why I really like neutral thinking is I think it is very empowering as well, because you really do have the power, the choice. It is up to you. You get to decide who you want to be that day, how hard you want to push, if it's important to you. And it doesn't happen by accident. And so it has to be a very intentional thing. And we have the opportunity. Day to day, you know, if you are stuck in traffic, like, yeah, you wanted to get somewhere in 20 minutes and now it's going to take 30 because XYZ happened. Okay. Well, maybe you're one day going to want to run somewhere in 20 minutes, but now it's going to take 30 because XYZ happened. Like, they're different literal situations, but how you handle them, your reaction, like, is establishing a pattern. And I think that it's just a good reminder, especially right now when we all have a lot of different obstacles than potentially we had this time last year, right? And a lot of unknowns, which that is one of the, I think, big things about running a full marathon is there are these unknowns. There are days when... (sighs) You feel like your long run, you're like almost shocked that it was such a good run, that you felt so good. You're like, What I did, I must have done everything right. Like, I must have fueled right yesterday. I, today, I had the perfect amount of hydration and fuel. I was well rested. I was this, I was that. You know, like it's so empowering to have these good runs. And then there are times where we also have super crappy ones. And sometimes you're going to face, unknowns in life, like right now with no races going on, or just at a race where something happens. The course, like what you thought, how the course was described, isn't how it actually feels. They lie to you. Sometimes race directors, just a heads up, will lie to you. Not really lie to you, but I am always skeptical of someone saying, Anything sort of rolling hills, that means it's hilly. Beautiful views, you're gonna be in high elevation. Great weather, it's gonna be hot. <laughs> Not really. I don't think about it like that exactly. But um, I feel like I'm doing like a talking meme right now. Um, these are things I would put in a meme. But there are unknowns over the course of 13 miles in terms of, yeah, how your body might change its mind on how it feels. Or how the weather might take a turn or where your stomach is at. And we have to be problem solvers. We have to stay positive. Like, do not get me wrong. I am all for having a positive mindset, being very positive, never defaulting to negative, surrounding yourself with positive people a thousand percent. And then though, when you're in real life situations where you need to make decisions on how you're going to proceed, then yeah, like be neutral. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't freak the heck out. Just be positive. Consider all of the choices and give it your best, which is really the theme for this year, at least for me. And I hope I could pass that on to you a little bit. Overall, I liked the book, I'd recommend it to someone that was interested in sports and mental training. Again, I was not familiar with the author, any of the NFL people he referenced, um, and still enjoyed it. And yeah, it didn't change my life. I have read books that weren't specifically mental training, but had... A lot of empowering messaging, like Dina Kester's book, and I think Meb's most recent book with all of his marathons, like both of those actually. If you haven't listened to those yet, I would listen to those first. But if you've already went through all of the other books, all every other book, if you've already went through every other that's how long that's what you've been doing with your time in the queue. Um then yeah, check this one out. But I would actually. to to be more helpful, I would suggest Meb's book, Dina Castor's book. I'll put links to both of these before this one. I recommend this one. If you've already done those, then you can check this one out. And yeah, those are my thoughts. And if you have a book suggestion for me, send it on over. I'm open-minded. I'm open. Throw it to me. I've also been watching the, The Last Dance, I heard it referenced as the Michael Jordan documentary, but it's really, I feel like, about the Chicago Bulls. And that was my um, open reference. That doesn't really have anything to do with the documentary, but I'm just thinking super sporty today. And so with that, let's get to the awards. First place could potentially be first place every single day, every single episode. Forever. It's watermelon. I love it. National Watermelon Day is coming up, and I just wanted to mention it because it's still my favorite food. A and B, if you have not yet seen my how to cut a watermelon video, you should check it out. I will put a link in the show notes. Second place goes to everything but the bagels, seasoned cashews. I found these at Target. They are, they're good. They didn't change my life but I found them very interesting and fun and I love a cashew and this was an interesting take on them. So I thought I'd let you know. Third place goes to the sleeping bag sized bags of skinny pop popcorn sold at Costco. They're ridiculous. Have you seen these? They are ridiculous. A sleeping bag is a slight exaggeration. They're more like a king sized Maybe a body pillow, actually. They're like a big king size pillow. No, bigger than that. They're big. Anyways, it is a massive bag of popcorn. Popcorn is definitely one of my top five favorite foods, so I appreciate it. But I also feel like my mom buys these bags of popcorn. I've bought them in the past. Like, we've kind of gotten used to how insane this is to have a bag of popcorn this large. It's ridiculous. And the other day, my niece, I like got the bag and I was trying to get it out from the pantry and she saw it and she's like, why is that bag so big? Like, she was like, concerned, like, what is going, what are you guys doing here? She is six years old. And I just like when someone gives you a reminder that maybe something you're doing has become normal to you. And it's a little weird, maybe like running 26.2 miles anyways. Okay. Your homework for today is to chime in on my Instagram at repeat. Let me know what you're doing right now. I also have the August running workout calendar up that you can get on Run, Eat, repeat. So if you're not training for anything right now and need a rough, not rough as in challenging, but rough as in... Suggestions of what to do each day for running workouts. You can check that out on Running Repeat. I also put up a five minute runner warm up. I have been asked for a lot of kind of like how I warm up, how I stretch. My stretching is often I put a timer on. I just stretch. It's kind of random, but my warm ups are a little more structured. So I've shared one again. It's five minutes. If you need some extra warm up, do it twice or spend an extra couple minutes moving around, warming up, shaking out, doing some dynamic stretching of any other part of your body that feels like it needs a little extra attention that day. If you have any requests for topic ideas, if you have any questions you have to ask, I'm not a mind reader as much as I try to be. So you can email runitrepeat at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram. It's where I hang out a super ton. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a minute, please leave a 500 star review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. If you know someone that might like the show, please tell them about it. And I hope this was fun and helpful. Have a great run.